you're listening to Dingin' Out, the podcast about wasting time in awesome ways. My name is David. You can find me scouring the expo floor of E3 as Sandbox Quint. On today's episode, you guessed it, this is all about E3. I got to go, my experience, what I saw, what I liked, what I didn't like, and a little bit more. Today's date, June 23rd, 2015, and this is episode number five. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Hope you had a nice couple weeks. As always, I did too. So yeah, I got to go to E3. So exciting. It was an awesome experience. Uh, one that I, I hope I get to have again. It's just kind of crazy, you know. Um, I, I won a contest. I think I talked about it in my last episode. I won this writing contest. Got passes for it. And uh Got to go. It's one of those things I've always wanted to do. Never been able to go. So finally, I made it. I brought along Cool It from the Sandbox podcast. He came with me. And, uh, you know, we kind of cruised around, checked out a bunch of things. And so the, today's episode, I'm basically just going to be doing a quick recap of everything that I saw while I was at E3. Um, some of the things that I, that I watched on the press conferences before E3. Um, mainly things from like Square Enix and Sony and Microsoft, that kind of stuff. I didn't actually get to attend those things. Our passes were only good for the expo floor, which is cool. You know, it's all good. So this is just basically going to be about things I like, things I didn't like, things I'm interested in, all that kind of stuff. There's no way I'm going to get to cover everything because, I mean, there was just so much stuff. So I just kind of cherry-picked a few things and just kind of kind of run through the list and sort of give my opinions on them and we'll go from there. So first up... I watched the Microsoft press conference and the one thing, actually there's two things about this press conferences that I, that I really like from Microsoft. Uh, the first one was the fact that they're putting in backwards compatibility for the Xbox one. I'm not an Xbox one owner. I do have an Xbox 360. Uh, I think this is a really, really good thing for them to do. And it kind of makes me wish Sony would do it too, because I feel like I'm, I'm paying for, uh, PlayStation Now, which is like $45 every three months. And it's funny, they actually just billed me yesterday. And it's like, yeah, there's a bunch of games on there that I already own for the PlayStation 3 and a bunch of games I don't own. And I guess that's the trade-off is you can play a bunch of games you don't own. But, you know, at the same time, there's a lot of games on, on PlayStation Now that I'm just not interested in. It would be cool because I've got a bunch of PlayStation 3 discs. Uh, it would be cool to be able to pop those things in my PlayStation 4 and, and go for it. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's like I said, for Microsoft, that's, that's applause. It's a good idea. Granted, will people care in a year from now when, you know, all those games are starting to look real old? Maybe, maybe not. I know I would love to, uh, be able to play like Red Dead Redemption. I've never played it. It'd be cool to be able to play that on a current gen system. Uh, I know I could just go buy it for a PlayStation 3 for probably like 15 bucks used, but uh, I just know. I know that the second I go out to buy Red Dead Redemption, it's going to end up being announced for the PC or a remaster for PlayStation 4 or something like that. So I'm kind of, I'm holding out hope. Fingers crossed. We'll get that soon. Um, so next up from the Microsoft uh, press conference, the, the one thing that I thought which just blew my mind, and this is not Xbox related, this is a Microsoft thing, is... Uh, we got another look at the Microsoft HoloLens. 
And the whole time I was watching the demonstration for this online, my mind was just exploding over and over again. I was just like, I cannot believe what I'm seeing here because not, you know, gaming aside, the technology that was on display here is stuff that could change the world. I think of things like, well, first of all, I think of like laser tag with a hollow lens. That would just be amazing because you could literally throw like, you've turned your friends into zombies or monsters and it could be, it could be like real life doom. You know, through the hollow lens, you're running through with a fake gun and laser gun, whatever. That's the first place my mind goes because I think it would be awesome. And uh, mark my words, it's going to happen. But I think of things like schooling or, you know, being in work or even driving, uh, you know, everything that they kind of were hoping for with Google Glass. I, I feel like if they can get this hollow lens just nice and compact and just. You know, it could, this could be like just a, a personal HUD. You have all your little things in there, almost like when you play Metroid Prime back in the day and you got the little readings on the screen and all that stuff. Like, so much cool possibility with this HoloLens. You know, imagine if you know, the kids in school, man, these kids in school like 20 years from now are going to be so lucky in the crap that they get to experience. Uh, you know, they're going to be like, all right, kids. Let's go to the Smithsonian Institute and walk around. Put on your HoloLens and everyone's in the Smithsonian. They're doing a virtual tour of that, checking things out. Look at this, look at that. Super cool. Driving for GPS for driving. Things like, you know, you put it on and you actually see like the line on the road telling you where to go, where to follow. Little pop-up messages. Hey, traffic coming up in this. You know, tap here for uh, a reroute. Just, you know, and takes you the proper direction to avoid the traffic jams things like that um this hololens is going to be crazy it's going to change the world i just know it you know yeah i don't know it's one of those things that just kind of got me really geeked out and excited when i was watching it and and yeah they, you know they just dis, they just displayed some minecraft and that was amazing too that little 3d minecraft that they put up on the table and you could walk around it and like dip your head into the castle and look around very, very, very cool stuff. One of the other things uh, that I saw, and this was probably the only cool thing, at least in my opinion, that I saw out of Nintendo, was the Super Mario Maker. This is just a crazy, crazy thing. Uh, you know, Nintendo didn't have a lot of cool, cool games to display. You know, yeah, they had Star Fox, the new Star Fox. It kind of looked, it looked old to me. It didn't look that that exciting, uh, but this Mario this Mario Maker allows you to create levels using like very 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 simple tactics. Of you have just a, a little box at the top of the screen with um, things you can pull down. You know, okay, I'm gonna put some some brick tiles here to run across. You put that down. You you just drag across the bottom, and they pop in. Uh, you say, okay, I'm going to put a, a money block here, drag a coin into it. Um, it's it's all very just kind of like, oh, duh, that makes sense. You've got a little turtle here. Oh, you want to make him bigger? Here, put him down there and then drag a mushroom on top of him. Boop, boop. He's big. I know I'm going crazy with the sound effects right now. Whatever. So, you know, as far as Nintendo goes, that was really, that was really it. One of the cool things I got to check out while I was on the expo floor, and you know, it was this year at E3 was kind of like the year of VR. Like everywhere, anywhere I went was like 
this is VR. Here's this VR. Here's the Walking Dead VR. Here's this thing for the Oculus, the little ring you put on your finger and you tap it and it shoots bullets out of your hand, uh, which was very, very non-functional, by the way. I tried it. It was this little ring you put on your finger and you stand in one place and you kind of can turn in a circle and then you just tap it or you, you make little uh, gesture gestures with your fingers uh, and it's supposed to do little cast spells at enemies that are sort of running at you in waves. Thing totally sucked. At least mine did. They were saying, oh, maybe the battery's getting dead or whatever. But yeah, there was a ton of VR everywhere. It was kind of crazy. So, one of the things that, uh, that my buddy Cool It and I got to try out was this weird, like, harness, slippery floor treadmill thing that you can, like, you stand in and they harness you in. Like, it's almost like a child's walker. And you put the, the Oculus Rift on your head. And the game is simple. It's just you, you're basically walking from point A to point B in this forest. And you're, you're actually walking on this slippery floor treadmill. And you're supported in this harness. You're just walking, walking, walking. And it was like so awkward. It felt so unnatural. I I don't know if, if anything is ever going to come of these these weird sort of vr niche items uh definitely i don't think anything's gonna come out of this one we didn't try that there was two there there was this one that was like flat and slippery that's the one we tried and then there was the other one called the omni i think it was and that was that, that one was like on shark tank and stuff i saw it a long time ago and actually the omni looked more natural because it had a it the the foot pad was sort of like concaved and so when you walk on it, it would like kind of meet your stride and it looked a lot more natural. Uh, but the whole time it's like, you're, you're just kind of hanging in this thing and it just, you start slipping all over the place and it's, it's super, um, not accurate, I guess, you know, whenever you're moving, you're kind of like sort of, sometimes you'll find yourself like drifting off to the side and you're like, no, I'm walking straight, you know, very, very weird kind of weird stuff uh, another thing that's got me really excited that debuted at E3 was during the EA press conference uh, Star Wars The Old Republic announced their newest expansion and released a big old trailer for it and it's called Knights of the Fallen Empire first of all this trailer I'm so stoked to see uh, Star Wars The Old Republic sort of getting back to their roots you know, coming out with an awesome CG trailer. There's, I feel like they're trying to build a lot of hype around this expansion, and and I feel like it's they're 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 trying to change up Star Wars: The Old Republic drastically. Um, they've come out and said that you know we want to go back to Bioware basics with this expansion. We want to get back to core, awesome Bioware storytelling. I couldn't be more excited for that. That's, that's just completely awesome. Very, very stoked to hear that. So what's going on with this expansion? Uh, basically, from what I understand, is there's this other empire out in the galaxy. And something happens and your character gets frozen in carbonite for a certain matter of, I don't know how many years, but a certain amount of years. You wake up from the carbonite so many years later and I 
guess, it, from what it sounds like, is that the Republic and the Empire in the current state of the game have fallen. Now, I don't know what this means as far as player segregation because as it is right now there's the republic there's the empire just like world of warcraft with the horde and the alliance two opposing factions you can't really do anything with each other you can't communicate you can't play together you can't do anything like that so i don't know if this is their way of getting rid of that dynamic and just putting everyone together as a new faction um I, I'm kind of curious because they, ha I don't, as far as I know, I've I've listened to and looked up a few news articles about it, and it seems like uh, they haven't addressed this. And I don't, I don't know if anyone's asked it yet, but maybe someone has, and maybe if if you know, you know, leave a comment or whatever, and I'd be interested to hear because I haven't found anything on it. But yeah, if they're trying to get rid of the two factions and merge it together or something, maybe to address uh, population problems, I don't know. But story-wise, I mean, they, I think they're whatever they're doing, they're doing for the betterment of the story in the game, and that's what that's what Bioware does best. It's Bioware's story. So, anyways, yeah, that looks really awesome. The next order of business, <laughs> and this one has just got me just all wrapped up in a tizzy. I'm I'm just like I'm I'm so stoked for Fallout Four. Fallout 4, the you know the, the trailer came out a few days before E3, um, and then and then at E3 they just showed us a ton, a metric world plethora ton of in-game footage. So much cool stuff about Fallout 4. Uh, let's go down the list. Number one, voice acting. So the main character in this, as opposed to Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas. Um, obviously Fallout 1 and 2, uh, your character has a voice. So whenever you make dialogue decisions in, in conversation, you're actually talking. Um, they, they showed off the character design, how you build your character. It uh, looks very, very nice. There's not no sliders, anything like that. It's basically you're standing in front of a mirror and you kind of sculpture your own character's face that way. Very cool. There will be a fe playable female character. I know there was a, a Reddit post that came out like last year that was supposedly a bunch of leaked details from Fallout 4 from an ex-employee that said it was going to be male only. Now, whether that was true or not at the time, I don't know. Uh, but I do know that they've announced that it is uh, male and female characters. Next up, you get a dog. Starts off, the you know, that German Shepherd that's in the trailer. Um... They've announced that the dog is not killable because obviously, you know, if you play Fallout 3 and you get dog meat, he dies and it's just like crap. Reload, start over because you don't want your dog to die. So I'm assuming they're going to make him a sort of essential like in Skyrim if, if you have an essential follower uh, and, they, and they get they get killed. Essentially, they just drop to the ground unconscious and then they wake up after the fight and go from there. So. Um, one of the cool things about the dog is that you can give him commands to go pick up things for you, little wrenches or, you know, go, go, go grab that, go attack this guy, go, you know, a lot more functionality with your follower. One thing I don't know is that because of this dog, will you be allowed to still have, uh, will there be other followers in the game? I'm going to assume yes, just because in Fallout 3, even though you have dog meat, you can still have another follower and in New Vegas, um, I don't. I haven't found the dog in New Vegas yet, but uh, 
but I know there is a dog. I think his name's Rex. And but I have this robot in New Vegas, and I have him, and I have another follower, and I actually have another follower that I summoned from a radio. So I've got three guys that follow me around in that game. So I would assume Fallout 4 will follow suit and allow you to have a dog plus extra companions. And that'll be really cool. Uh, the next the next thing that I that I really thought was awesome about Fallout 4 is uh, the crafting. I talked about it before, and uh, yeah, it's coming it's coming true. They're gonna have uh, what did they say? 50, 75, something like that, base weapons, and then like 500 modifications or something like that, or 700 modifications. I can't remember the exact numbers. But yeah, if you get a, you get a rifle, you can, tr- you can customize that thing, chop it up, put a scope on it, put a laser pack. I don't, you know, apparently the combinations are just immense. You can create all sorts of cool things. Uh, you can customize your power armor, build up your power armor. At one point during some of the gameplay, it showed uh, showed the character jumping and, and igniting some jetpacks on the back of the power armor. So that's going to change, you know, add a whole new level of dynamics and in, in getting around uh, if you've got a jetpack and you can kind of traverse high terrain because uh, a lot of times you get trapped behind walls or something like that and fall through. You're trying to get to a certain area and there's a wall blocking you. You got to take the long way around. Well, why not just go over it if you can? Super cool. Next thing having to do with crafting is all of the items in the world have a crafting purpose, which is just, it's awesome. You know, you can take a wrench, break that wrench down for materials and use that to create an an item for your weapon. Um, You know, and, and one of the things in Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas as I've been playing through, and by the way, I beat Fallout 3 Totally beat it. I don't think I 100%ed it, but I did all the DLCs, all the main storyline, and every side quest I came along as I was going through it. Um, and I've unlocked a lot of the map, uh, but not not 100% of it. Uh, Fallout New Vegas, I'm, I don't know, I think I'm, I'm like 30 hours in playing through that, really enjoying it. But one of the things that I notice about those games is that there's tons of things everywhere in the world that you can interact with. There's, you know, toasters irons vacuum cleaners uh you know and and in fallout 3 some of those things you can use as crafting components like to make a the weapon the rocket launcher i think it's like you gotta use a vacuum and something else and something else you know but in fallout 4 all of these items are going to give you materials so you could break down the vacuum and say say the vacuum gives you screws you use those screws as part of a thing to make a thing very very good design uh, although it frightens me a little bit, I'm kind of worried that I might end up, uh, <laughs> I might end up at like max carrying weight the whole time. Cause I'm, when it comes to games where you have to collect things and scavenge and craft and all that stuff, I tend to be a hoarder. So I feel like I'm probably going to end up just hoarding everything and constantly being heavy and having to go back, break it all down, whatever. Um, Hopefully, I don't, well, I don't even know what hopefully, it's just going to happen. I'm just going to be at max carrying weight the whole time. I just have to uh, satisfy myself with that because <laughs> that's the way it's going to be. Um, next thing up is uh, still along the whole crafting thing is, is it's going to have base building where you can take a place and you can build it up, customize it, 
bring in traders and vendors to, to run out of your little stronghold. Uh, you're going to have to set up defenses because you're going to get raided by raiders uh, or, you know, super mutants or whatever. And, you know, very, very cool features. I know um, that was one of my favorite things about this mod I was playing with on Fallout 3 called the Underground Hideout, where you can build up your base outside the hideout and and set up defenses and hire guards and do all that stuff and activate uh enemies attacks and, and things like that so i think uh i think it's it's a good great addition to just the vanilla fallout game fallout 4 next thing that's just super exciting uh for console gamers is that they announced during the xbox panel that uh that xbox is going to allow PC Fallout 4 mods to be used on the Xbox. And then from what I heard is that Todd Howard later said in another interview is that, yeah, the same thing is coming to PlayStation 4, which it would be stupid to not bring that to both consoles because that would, you know, ignite a huge war between people and just, well, not like that. It's never happened before, right? So yeah, PC mods on a console. Is this the first time this ever happened? I think so. And it's great. It's great. It's great for, for PC. It's great for everybody. It's, you know, allow, allow those guys. You know, I'm mainly a PC gamer. I do have a PS4, but, you know, that was always a big decision for me as like when I'm going to get a game because, you know, it's, it's awesome. There's one thing about playing games on the console where you can kick back, just relax with a controller, play it on the big screen. Super just easy and relaxing. But the ability to mod on a PC is, is sort of one of the deciding factors in, in which I always, if I have the choice, I always buy a game on PC. So yeah, but even still, uh, I, you know, I'm still going to be getting Fallout 4 on the PC. Not only because of, you know, just the modding, even though they can, they can mod now on the consoles. It's just, you know, graphically, my, my PC is more powerful than, than a PS4. And if I really wanted to play it on the TV, I'm going to have, I'm going to be buying the Steam link and I can just shoot it right over to my TV from my, from my PC anyways. Um, and that'll be fine. So, so buying it on the PC leading into that, I want to talk about the next bit. My last bit of fallout Four news here. They announced the collector's edition for Fallout 4. And this has to be the coolest, most awesome damn collector's edition I have ever seen for a video game. It comes with a freaking pit boy. Big enough, you can wear it. It's got inserts. You can put your phone in there. And on top of that, it has an app that functions with second screen capabilities tied into the game. So maybe you want to equip it, equip a new weapon. You don't want to have to pause the game, go into your inventory and do all that. You could just right here on the pit boy, just doo -doo -doo, select weapon equipped or switch quests, you know, whatever your main quest is. So you're not, you're not interested in doing this quest. Go over to your quest window, select the next main quest that you want to. Now, granted, <laughs> I'm probably never going to wear this thing while playing it. I mean, it's, you know, as cool as it is, it's probably really, really annoying to be having this big old giant thing on your arm the whole time while you're playing. Uh, so, you know, I'll wear it once. I won't lie. I'm kind of a nerd that way. But, uh, you know, I'll probably just keep my, my, 
my good old Samsung S6 right here just at the ready to do whatever I need to do if I want to even use it. I don't know. But still, yeah, I, I pre-ordered the collector's edition. It was 119 bucks. I, in my opinion, that is completely worth it. I've spent more on other collector's editions. Uh, and this one gets you a pit boy, you know, and it's got, it's got a really cool looking stand. You could set that thing up. It'll be back here. You guys will see it one day pretty soon. Uh, when that comes out, really, really excited for this game. Fallout four. It's just, it spiraled me into this crazy, crazy web of, of fallout mania that I've had right now. I mean, I, I went through fallout three and like, uh, maybe like a week to two weeks, just nonstop, like every day, go home from work, play for like two or three hours. That was all I was thinking about. Uh, and now, you know, I'm into Fallout New Vegas and I'm just trucking through that game too. And I've actually started getting a little bit more into um, heavier modding into Fallout New Vegas than I got into Fallout 3. I've done some, um, some character overhaul mods, some graphical texture mods, uh, I did one called Nevada Skies, which you can set moods and weather effects, and you know that affects like perception of characters. So if it's a, if it's a dust storm and you're sneaking, it makes it harder for enemies to detect you. It's a really cool feature. That mod is awesome. It's it's like always in like the top ten list for Fallout New Vegas mods. So I'm enjoying I'm enjoying that immensely right now. One thing that I do love about Fallout New Vegas is the setting. It's so different than. Uh, than Fallout 3. It's kind of crazy because in Fallout 3 you go from this very city-like game, you know, with suburbs and all this stuff to, you know, you wake up in Fallout New Vegas and it's kind of like this little western town and it's it's very wild, wild west and, you know, you got your revolvers and your little um, repeater rifles and cowboy hats and all that stuff and it's I'm just trucking my way through that game, and it's kind of got me really wanting to to get into uh, some Red Dead Redemption. Uh, that's a game I've never played, but yeah, like I said before, I might just pick it up after I finish Fallout New Vegas because it's kind of it's gone from Fallout Mania to sort of like Western Mania. Just something about being in the Wild West that's kind of cool. It's it's not my usual go for when I'm when I'm trying to pick a game. I'm normally like a fantasy or sci-fi guy, but I don't know. I'm having a lot of fun in New Vegas and really enjoying the scene and the setting. So, very cool stuff. Now, the last bit of news out of E3 that is just crazy exciting for me. They announced Fallout or Final Fantasy VII remake. Boom! Done. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, when I was watching, I was like, what is this? Is this? Oh my god. Uh, you know? <laughs> and then you realize, you're just like, ah, holy crap, this is actually happening. Finally! So many years. I mean, they released when PlayStation 3 debuted at E3 10 years ago, maybe. I don't even remember. It was a long time ago. They showed that, that intro scene to Final Fantasy VII. It was all in fancy new 3D on the PlayStation 3. Everyone lost their shit. And then they're like, oh, so about that Final Fantasy, that was just a tech demo to display the capabilities of the PlayStation 3. We're not really ever going to make that. you know. And then I think last year at E3, they came out and said, Final Fantasy is coming to the PC and PlayStation 4. But it's just a port. <laughs> And everyone was just like, wah, wah, the rage, 
the rage spiked up and then this year just out of freaking nowhere i guess they've been working on this for over a year best kept secret in the gaming industry it's finally happening final fantasy 7 is coming out it's going to be completely remade from what i understand current graphics uh i hope they don't change it too much i hope they don't try to make it the combat too actiony i mean <laughs> I had did I play Final Fantasy 15's demo? I don't think I did. I didn't play it, but I watched it. I watched a full playthrough of it. It was a couple hours long, I think. And that's a very kind of actiony type game. Um or it almost kind of maybe like Kingdom Hearts-ish where you you control one character and you kind of set up um roles for the other characters and they kind of do their own thing. I I don't know if I want that in Final Fantasy 7 remake, so I hope they don't change too much and make it not Final Fantasy 7. You know, if this is just Final Fantasy 15 skinned as Final Fantasy 7, that's not going to be good enough. I mean, you know, I want the materia system. I you know, give us choice maybe. Allow you know, put if if people really want the action combat, put that in there but also put in the the uh, classic, you know, active time battle combat or whatever the hell it's called. Um you know, there's something about a Final Fantasy game and having the menu system. You know, you go through their select attack, you know, one character after another. I mean, that's it's kind of what makes those old games just, you know, it's part of what makes them what they are, just classics, you know? So, Final Fantasy VII, man, that, I have a history with that game. That was, I, I guess you can't really, con if you don't consider Legend of Zelda to be an RPG, it's sort of an adventure game. Final Fantasy VII was my very first role-playing game. I got it we had PlayStation. I think I was in like... I got it later, too, way after the fact. I think I was in like ninth or 10th grade. And I picked it up at the swap meet for like 10 bucks used. And I got into that world, and I just dove deep. I played that game for so long. I've got probably over 100 hours. I, I think I got so far that the the time... I remember the time of, of, you know, amount of time played, like, will stop at a certain point. And I don't remember if it's 99 hours or if it was 60 hours or something like that. But I remember that at a certain point, it just stops. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, you've played this too much. We're done counting. Just keep playing. Whatever. I think I might have 100%ed that game uh, on my very first playthrough. I just did everything. I got to the point where once I beat it you know i it was saved right before you go in to fight sephiroth for the last time because that, that ends the game and so i just got the strategy guide and started going everywhere else and just exploring and and you know getting all the materials and taking out the weapons emerald and ruby weapon and doing all that stuff i th i'm pretty sure i did everything in that game ultima weapon all that um just amazing game um, weird fact about me, I'm not a crier, I don't cry in movies and shit, but as a kid, when, uh, Aerith bit the dust, man, that was, that was some tears, that was a very sad moment and unexpected, I've never played a video game before where they killed off a main character like that, it was very, very, uh, emotionally impacting on me, um, the soundtrack for that game, amazing. I think I bought the soundtrack like two or three times. I've got, I've got the, the live orchestra version of the soundtrack. I've got the original like four disc version of the soundtrack. Um, one of these days I'm going to get over to the distant worlds, uh, 
concert that they do in LA, like every year, every other year, something like that, and go see that, the live orchestra of all the Final Fantasy music, because uh, Final Fantasy VII's music is just one of those things where if I hear a song, it's Boom, instant nostalgia just brings me back to that time when I was in high school and just a kid and no worries in the world and just, you know, nothing to do but go to school, come home and play video games and and he didn't care about life. It just brings back those feelings every time I hear the music. So I'm just so excited for that. I hope they don't change it too much. Um, it's going to be awesome. I, I, I'm curious to see whether or not they, they do Final Fantasy VII in a 3D space. Because, you know, before the backdrops were sort of like static pictures and you kind of run your way around them and there was areas that you can go and areas you can't go. Um, I'm curious to see if they're going to be fully realized 3D environments or if it's going to be sort of 2.5D, which would be like what the Final Fantasy IV remake kind of is. It's like the same maps, but it's sort of like three-dimensional instead of just a flat two-dimensional picture. Um Either way, I think that that'll be fine. I'd be curious to see if it's if it's one solid world or if it's actually like um, the world map and then you go into the smaller areas as you go to a town at like Portuan and that kind of stuff. Or if it's just going to be one giant world, that'll be a really interesting take on it. Um, I don't know. There's so much speculation. They, all they did was show a single CGI trailer, but they said the promise has been made. <laughs> one of the things actually is kind of funny. The trailer has this narration over it and the whole time i'm like this kind of sounds like the twilight zone it's the whole thing i got from that is you know i don't know just listen to it watch it and then think about the twilight zone intro and you'll understand what i'm talking about if you haven't already thought of that so let's see what else uh well you know as far as it goes for e3 um I, you know i i spent two days there i got a chair i got a chair that was like <laughs> my buddy cool and I's favorite thing about actually being at the show they had this booth it was it's the dx racer chairs uh they look like race car chairs they're they're awesome super comfortable they're like five like four to five hundred dollars online and we ended up talking to one of the guys at the booth there found out that they weren't too keen on taking home all of the chairs that they had brought and set up for display at their booth and so they were actually selling the display chairs, the floor models that they had there just, you know, for the show for 200 bucks a piece. And my first thought was like, oh, I'm getting one. I've got to get one uh, because I don't know. I mean, if you've listened to my past podcast, there's a very good chance that you, if you've listened closely, you've heard my old computer chair in the background just any. Anytime I've done a podcast, I'm like afraid to move, afraid to breathe, because if I move at all in that old chair, it just creaks and rattles and groans. And it's just, I've had that chair for like eight years and it's, it's on its last legs. I was actually getting ready to go buy a new chair. I was going to spend about 150, 160 bucks, um, probably within the next couple of weeks, you know? So when I found out that this deal was going on, and plus, cool it. My buddy wanted one really bad, and he he couldn't take one, so because he had to go back up to Northern California. So I was like, eh, I'll just take one. So I had to, I had to do it. I had to do it. So I got I got one. It's it's the DX Racer Max series. Things just oh man, this is the best best chair ever. It's like, it's like a transformer. Like the arms and legs, you can move around and like adjust the angles, and it's just, 
it's a dream chair, man. I'm I'm going to have this thing f- until it falls apart on me. And then I'm going to buy another one. Although I probably won't get as sweet of a deal ever again. But uh totally cool. Um yeah, like like I said, I I went around uh, E3, got to try out a bunch of VR stuff. Like that was the thing of the show. Everything's got a little bit of VR in it right now. Um got to talk to the the creator of this game called Life is Futile. His name's Vlad. He's uh he's actually been a guest on on my other podcast, The Sandbox. Uh cool it did an interview with him a while back, but it's sort of this um more realistic version of uh I don't want to say Minecraft, but it's kind of Minecrafty. Uh 64 player server, you can build up bases, dig, terraform, all that stuff. Cool dude, that's a cool game. It's uh he's done very well for himself over there on Steam. Selling selling copies of that just for a small little studio. Uh, pretty stoked to see that because it looks like a really good game. I know everyone I know who's played it really likes it. Oh, so one last thing I forgot to mention about E3. I got to meet Richard Garriott. If you don't know who Richard Garriott is, this guy is the man, like the grandfather of American Western RPGs. Uh, he created the Ultima series. Now, I don't personally have experience with Ultima 1 through 9, like the original Ultima games, but what I do have experience in, and this is kind of what got me into online gaming as a whole, is Ultima Online. I got into Ultima Online when I was in high school, uh, I think maybe like 11th grade or something like that, and that kind of changed everything when it came to gaming for me. That was like my first foray into online gaming. Uh, the world that he created with Ultima Online was just so amazing. It was just this big sandbox. You can kind of do whatever you want. So it was crazy. We were just walking through, me and Cool It, walking through the showroom floor, and I see the Razor booth, and I was like, oh, I want to go check out the Razor booth, see if they got anything new. Kind of want to had some stuff I wanted to talk to with a couple of the, the workers there, just give them some ideas. I've been kicking around in my head for new products and stuff. And so I'm waiting on, on, this, uh, on this guy. He's talking to someone on a computer, and I notice they're playing Shroud of the Avatar. I'm like, What's, why are they playing Shroud of the Avatar here? And then I, all of a sudden I look over the guy's shoulders and there's freaking Richard freaking Garrett. I was like, I looked at cool it. And I was just like, oh my God, dude, look, it's him. And so of course we went up to him, pulled him aside and was just like, hey man, how's it going? Talk to him. And you know what, what's cool? The crazy thing that, that kind of like took us both by surprise was just how down to earth and kind of a cool guy Richard Garriott was I mean you know if if you follow his Twitter stuff he can come off as kind of like rock star personality or something like that but when you talk to him in person he's just he comes across as like a gamer's gamer you just sit there he sat and talked to us for like 15 minutes just about RPGs and you know stuff that he's working on for his game and talk about old times and Ultima Online and stuff like that it was pretty cool it was definitely not something I expected to ever kind of like sit there and talk to him um He's always one of the one of the like the kind of the target like the goal guests that that we always wanted to have on the Sandbox podcast to talk about his new game because he's got a new game coming out. It's kind of in pre-release right now called Shroud of the Avatar, and it's it's sort of uh, sort of a successor to Ultima Online, though it's different. It's a little more Dragon Age one influence in there, in that there's a kind of an overworld map, and you go into you zone into like forests or towns and things like that, and it takes you to a smaller area. Uh, but still, there's like as far as questing goes, there's no quest journal. There's no 
There's no exclamation points above people's heads as far as I can remember. Like you actually have to type talk to NPCs to bring up chat prompts, things like that. Uh, so he's doing things that are definitely different, straying away from like the World of Warcraft model of, of uh, online gaming MMORPGs, which is cool. It's nice to kind of go back to this old school sort of role playing game. So yeah, man, Richard Garriott, super cool dude. He actually gave us his card and was like, yeah, hit me up and come on, come on the podcast and talk about it. So we'll see, you know, I'm sure he's like super busy, but whatever, it's worth a shot. But yeah, it was really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, that's that's about it for E3 that excited me. You know, I checked out Battlefront. I didn't get a play. I didn't want to wait in line. That's part of the part of the problem with E3 this year, I guess, as opposed to other years. They, they let in, a, you know, they allowed a bunch of people in this year. They gave out a bunch of tickets, in which I was one of those people. And I'm not complaining. I'm grateful that I even got to go. Um, but apparently, you know, it was kind of hard to get in and demo things because, just lines were hours and hours long. Like the the line to to get in and try the Hololens and to try uh, Halo Five was like three hours plus. You know, I sat in line to play Battlefront for probably two hours and barely moved, maybe twenty feet, and I had to sit there and listen into this giant screen of <laughs> of like Spike Lee doing this commercial for NBA 2K15 over and over and over again. And finally, it just, I was like, I can't take this anymore. I got to move. So I just got out of line for that. I didn't get to play Battlefront, but it that game looks awesome. Game looks super cool. Uh, I mean, what's not to like? I mean, it's Battlefield with Star Wars in amazing graphics for a PlayStation. All the, all the footage they were showing was like, plays this PlayStation footage, PlayStation 4. And it looked epic. It looked amazing. Crystal clear. It looks like it ran really smooth. It looked like it was 1080p. Looks awesome. I mean, it's it's Star Wars and and shooting and you know objective combat and X wings and A wings and all all that stuff. And I don't know if it has A wings, but it's got speeders or whatever. Maybe are those A wings. I can't remember. But yeah, walkers, all that stuff. So that's about it for E3 for me. Um, just super excited I got to go. Like I said, it was just kind of a crazy experience. I hope that I can manage somehow to go next year. It's one of those things where you you, you kind of get spoiled. Like BlizzCon, for example. I mean, that thing, you know, you go to BlizzCon, it just blows your mind. It's amazing the show that they put on at BlizzCon. And E3 is like that, but like four times as big. Uh, you know, so it's, it's kind of crazy. It's one of those things when you go there, it's like, you can't imagine not going again because you just want to be there. If you're a gamer, it's like the Super Bowl, you know? Um, so that's it. That's my, that's my E3 experience for this year. One last thing. There's this TV show that my fiance has been watching and I kind of been paying attention to it at the corner of my eye right here when I'm sitting here playing Fallout. It's called Wayward Pines. They're up to episode five right now. At episode five, something happened towards the end that made me just completely stop what I was doing. Stop and just my jaw dropped. And I was like, what is going on? Is this seriously, is this this show? And she's like, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm all in. I have to watch it. This is amazing. And so, you know, I... I, all I have to say is I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything. I don't want to give anything away. But if you haven't been watching Wayward Pines, 
get caught up on Hulu, whatever. It's only five episodes right now. I think the next episode comes out on Thursday. Check it out. It's awesome. I don't think you'd regret it. I don't regret it. And I just can't wait for the next episode because holy crap, mind blown. All right. So almost time to wrap this thing up. (laughs) Here we are. Another 40 plus minute podcast. My whole goal was to keep these things like 25, 30 minutes. But, you know, this is E3. It's a lot to talk about. So I got an email this week. And uh, it's from from Nate H. says, uh, dude, dude. So I just listened to your new podcast and it was awesome. Well, thank you, sir. I recently started playing P99 a few days. Again, after like 12-year break and it's amazing. Keep up the good work. And... Do you guys play on the non-PVP Valius server? Thanks, Nate H. Okay. So, yes, I do play on the non-PVP server. It's the Valius Blue server for Project 1999. Although, I will say, if you listened to my last episode, I don't know if you'd reached it yet. Uh, I'm on a break from Project 1999. I have Heavensward in a box right there, right now, the collector's edition for that that is going to be taking up a lot of time for me right now. Uh, I just literally picked that up <laughs> from the post office. And so I got to get that thing open and rocking today. I'm super stoked for Heaven's Ward. Final Fantasy 14 expansion just came out today. Uh, on top of that, I'm still just going psycho for Fallout. Oh, and I've got The Witcher 3. I've got the urge to go pick up Red Dead Redemption. It's just a lot going on. I don't have a lot of time to get into fun, uh, to get into Project 1999 right now. I will get back to it. Uh, that EverQuest is one of those games that I cycle in and out of all the time. It's it's one of those classics that you know you can go for a while and just not play it, and all of a sudden you just go right back in. It's like oh, comfort. I'm home. You know. So yeah, I appreciate you listening to the podcast, man. Uh, very stoked that you like it. I'm planning on keeping this up. I'm trying to do on on the point every two weeks. Get them out. Um, but yeah, thanks for the emails. Well, that's it. That's a show. That's E3. That's everything that I'm into right now for the last two weeks. Um, be sure to check out the website www.dingingout.com d-i-n-g-n-o-u-t dot com you can find me on twitter and twitch as sandboxquint and be sure to email me if you want to sandboxquint at gmail.com oh one more last order of business pretty exciting I am on Stitcher Radio now so on top of iTunes and the website and my RSS feed and feed burner and all that stuff which is just regular stuff uh, yeah you can find me on Stitcher just got on there last week i think so just another way to try and get my stuff out to your ears i appreciate it thanks again for tuning in and i'll see you guys back in a couple weeks